Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I am your host, Trevor Williams. And today on the show, we're going to be talking how one entrepreneur basically helped make her family business thrive online by selling beef online. So today on the show is Hannah Klitz, who started Oak Barn Beef to help share her family's premium Nebraska beef with people all across the country. And after her husband Eric joined the business, they actually moved Oak Barn Beef to a larger location that had additional freezer space and an active storefront where they could have customers come in. And so we'll talk about how they started off with a meat subscription box and some challenges of that, like scheduling processing of cows and staying up to date with orders and the struggles of customer service when you are only a couple people in the business, as well as how their beef is actually dry aged and the impact that has on flavor and also the byproducts from beef and the importance of having shelf stable products in a storefront, things like jerky and meat sticks and stuff like that. That way customers have additional items that they can buy. And lastly, we'll talk about why entrepreneurship is not a linear path and how it's super important for small-scale beef businesses like Oak Barn Beef to compete against the grocery store. This was such a fun interview. Check out Hannah and Oak Barn Beef at the links below. And it's a good time to mention, if you sign up for our newsletter, which is also below in the description, our 5-Minute Friday newsletter, um, we're also giving you access to the Farm Finder page which hopefully is going to make it easier than ever to support farmers and ranchers all across the country. It is an awesome database we have with Farm Traveler where it's got all of our past guests on there and links to our interviews as well as their websites. So you can order their products, whether it's beef, chicken, um, produce. You can order it directly to your home and support these awesome farmers and ranchers across the country. So again, all you got to do to get that link is just sign up for our five-minute Friday newsletter at the link in the description below. So without further ado, please welcome Hannah to the podcast, and I hope you enjoy it. 
So Hannah, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm very excited to be on and uh, hear, hear the great conversation we're about to have. Yeah. So like we were mentioning earlier, um, Natalie actually sent me a, tw- a, a tweet mail, a tweet message and was like, hey, you should have Hannah from Oak Barn Beef on. And I was like, oh, absolutely. So I checked out your website. You guys have like everything. You've got beef bundles. You've got beef jerky. You've got, of course, merch. Um, and obviously we'll get into the whole story and everything behind that, but like, what's it like running an online store for beef? I'm sure it's a little bit tricky at times. Yes, absolutely. We are almost, um, five years old actually. So got a little bit of time under our belt too. So we've been able to add a lot of aspects in throughout the years, um, and figure out some of the logistics too. We always joke we should have started a t-shirt company or something like that because it'd be (laughs) a lot less storage and shipping supplies and just all the logistics that it is to sell beef online. Yeah, because shirts have like an indefinite shelf life and you don't have to worry about them. But I'm sure that, you know, having to sell beef online is a little bit complicated. Uh, What were some of those you guys started five years ago? What were some growing pains you guys had as you're trying to figure out how to sell beef online? Yeah, um, I I always feel like we either have too much beef or not enough beef. Like it always feels (laughs) like one or the other. Um, Just the the pipeline and timeline that it takes for us to get product is a challenge that a lot of industries don't have. So, I mean, we buy calves at weaning time from my parents who are cow-calf producers and then another producer out in central Nebraska who has the same requirements and focuses as we do. And so we're not completely conception to consumption, but that whole timeline that it takes to actually get beef into our freezer and make sure we have a consistent supply has really been something that we've had to learn and try to improve throughout the years because just knowing the ebbs and flows of the business and demand um, and planning for that for a farm to table operation has been Definitely a growing pain, but starting to figure that out more. There you go. So what all goes into planning? Like, do you work with a local um, processing facility? Like, what all goes into the planning to where you're making sure that, I mean, you've got enough beef coming up to where you can supply all of your online customers, but also you've got to figure out a place to store it until you're selling it. So like, what all goes into juggling all of that? Yeah, absolutely. So the first part is like buying the cattle. Um, so we have to plan pretty far in advance as to when we are going to like have our butchering appointments, when cattle need to be ready for those. And then hopefully that meets like our time of year and demand that we're going to need that much beef too. So as far as like the finished cattle and then the process and logistics go after that, um, we use a USDA inspected butcher. So we butcher um once a month and then we schedule butcher appointments a a year in advance so that gives us some time to like plan um for hopefully having cattle ready at each month which a lot of times like pins of cattle and feedlots are um, supposed to all be finished at the exact same time versus with our operation we want the cattle to be different sizes so that we can uh, finish them throughout the year and they're not all finished (laughs) at one time of the year so uh, that right there is a lot of logistics but then we do have like a a walk-in freezer that we store the beef in and um, then do shipping and distribution out of 
the freezer and our little little warehouse here that we have now too. So the storage just takes takes a lot of infrastructure and um, even just storing shipping supplies and things too. That's something a lot of people don't realize. I can imagine. And you mentioned that you guys opened up a storefront, right? We did, yes, in January of this year. So January 2023. So was that kind of game changing in how much you could you guys could do and how much you could store whenever you opened up that storefront? You know, we were really just looking at expanding kind of our freezer and the warehouse portion, but mm. the building we purchased had the opportunity to add in the storefront too. So we more we were unsure on how well it would turn out, honestly. We <laughs> were like eh putting our pride in the online sales. And if the storefront didn't work out, we'd still have the online sales. Um, but we've been very pleasantly surprised on the traffic. We're located in West Point, Nebraska, which is like beef country. Um, mm. I think it's the the largest county that has cattle on feed in the U.S. And I might have to fact check that statistic. But um, so so a lot of people have the deep freezes full of beef already. So we try to think through, like, how can we add value to the everyday person who would be coming in here? So the beef jerky and sticks have been very popular um, locally as like stocking stuffers or um, like additions to Easter baskets and things like that, that that people can come to us from. They don't have those in their deep freezes. Um, and then we added a few other local products like eggs and honey and popcorn and spice rubs. And we're still brainstorming some of those too. So try to think through how we could add value more than just like freezer beef. Um, oh, yeah. but yeah, but we're located right off of a main highway too. So that really helps us get some, some more traffic through. I mean, that's kind of like a totally different avenue than what you guys were doing. Like you were selling online and then you're like, oh, wait, we also have this opportunity to open up a storefront. So, I mean, that's awesome. Like you can reach a totally different customer base, but also I'm sure that presented its own challenges. Yes. And we're working through a lot of those challenges too. It's very different running a retail storefront than it is an online e-commerce business. So, um, I think we're improving on our in-person sales. We were a little rusty in the beginning there with just being used to like talking online and being able to write out <laughs> like a perfect script sales pitch and then uh, to, to having sometimes messy conversations when <laughs> things don't come out as right. We had to give ourselves a little grace there, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's so, funny how much you learn about business whenever it like totally changes and you've got to do it face to face instead of just like over the internet or something. <laughs> I mean, like, like right. you said, you can't have like a perfect elevator pitch on an email. You've got to figure it out. Like, in person and like nine times out of 10, it's going to take you a while until you get that perfect in-person elevator pitch. Which sounds funny. Like I feel like we should, you should be better at the the in-person before we even go online, but that's just not the, the route that we like went with the business. So yeah, it's definitely been a learning curve. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like it's been a good learning curve. I mean, it seems like you guys have a lot of really good fans, obviously of your stuff, both online and in the store. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, we have been very lucky with with good supporters, and uh, the West Point, Nebraska, like town in community, is just very supportive too. I've learned, and I didn't grow up here, but my husband Eric did, and so I am just newer to the area, don't know everyone, and I've just been overwhelmed with like the support that this rural community and like surrounding communities have given us. That's so great. I love you know when when communities come together to support local businesses like this, which is 
phenomenon. I mean, like people might think of like online stores like CrowdCow or ButcherBox and stuff like that that are kind of larger scale instead of like the local family store selling online like you guys, which I mean, you're supporting a great family business, some great careers, great local beef, which is like obviously really cool. And I'm sure that sense of community is really strong and you guys love being a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. And the farm to table movement that's just happened in the last, I want to say three years, even it's just kind of boomed and, and it's a really cool like community and movement to be a part of. I can imagine. And so I'm looking at your website, Oak Barn Beef. You guys have something that I haven't really seen before. Um, it's, oh shoot, what, what, where was it? It's your your beef bundles. So you've got a lot yeah. of really good stuff on there. Beef bundle, bundles, as well as like dry aged, which honestly I have not seen dry aged before on online stores. So what was the idea behind um, adding dry age to some of the selections? Yeah, um, so all of our beef is actually dry aged. So it's just extended aging time at the butcher and it allows I always compare it if you haven't heard of dry aged beef I always compare it to like aged cheese or wine like it basically just gives the beef time to mature and it's much more tender and flavorful like because of that aging process so that's kind of like one of our quality assurance processes to make sure that we are selling the best product possible is that aging process um, but that's all done at the butcher too. So they our, our USDA inspected butcher um, does that and does all the trimming afterwards and things too. But it's definitely a selling point with a lot of our customers. What's the the timeline? Like how long is it aged for? 14 days is how long they, they hang the beef for. So it actually used to be 21 days. And then when mm. the pandemic hit, a lot, I, I don't know any of local lockers who are still allowing producers to hang for 21 days anymore um, just because the demand got so high and they needed to to serve more customers during that time Um, but I I truly haven't seen a big difference between the 14 to 21 days and it's just that that amount of time gives it that much more time to to really turn into a quality product okay I got you that makes sense yeah I think that's so cool that's such a unique take on it like all of your stuff is being um dry age and i'm sure that lends a really unique flavor to it and makes it you know stand out a whole lot more which is obviously really cool yeah yeah and then the beef bundles those are our most popular products so um they're kind of like variety packs they have a little bit of everything in a lot of them so it's like ground beef and roast and and then like higher quality steaks like ribeyes and t-bones and i think our customers really like those because it takes like the process of having to go through and pick each steak and it and it's just a bundle that may have some cuts they've never tried but they they're like it, it's just easier and it's convenient for them too oh 100 percent. i mean that's such a good idea and one thing i'm sure obviously you guys have done this as a ranching family well you know i don't know i mean maybe you don't have to do it but one day i really want to go in with a couple of, f- of friends and buy a cow where it's like we get the half of the cow or we get a quarter of it. Because when you do that, it's so much cheaper. And you get so many different cuts of beef, which is phenomenal. I mean, like I'm looking at uh, your box, the Sizzler right now, which is like a T-bone, a ribeye, a beef roast, a, a fajita meat. Like you get so many different cuts of great quality meat with these boxes, or even when you just like buy a whole cow or something like that. And I think the average consumer doesn't really know that that's an option and that it's like pretty darn affordable. 
Yeah, absolutely. We call them beef shares um, for the whole tabs and quarters, but it's a great way to to stock your freezer, especially with a lot of like uncertain times and with the beef market going up and down so much. A lot of customers have turned to that. Um, probably since the pandemic, I've seen like a big pickup in in the people who are able to make those larger purchases at once. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely doing it. So speaking of the pandemic, now that you mention it, it seems like you guys have kind of done the opposite of what a lot of people did. Like they started off with a, like a storefront and then they started selling online, but you guys were selling online before the pandemic. You can continue to do it. And then now you opened up a storefront. I mean, what was it like navigating the pandemic with an online store for several years? Yeah. Um, I feel like I've talked about the pandemic a lot in this interview <laughs> so far too. I don't think I normally do that much, but um it it was a we grew a lot during mm. during the pandemic because um we were a little more established. I think we had two years under our belt at that point. So uh, a lot of the companies who were just starting to sell beef uh, direct to consumer farm to table. Uh, we're still trying to figure out a lot of the roadblocks that we had kind of gotten through and, and established our online presence a little bit more too. So it brought us a lot of new customers from searching online or people who had been like on our email list or Facebook page and just haven't purchased before. Um, so figuring out that growth though was a really difficult experience I would say so we sold out of a lot I think our whole walk-in freezer was like plum full and when the pandemic hit we were sold out within two weeks I want to say oh my goodness Um, yeah which was which was a lot of beef to me back then too so it was just (laughs) crazy to, to think of that but we uh had butcher appointments still booked so we were able to like keep restocking during that time um, but the only way I was doing pre-sales was with our subscription box. So customers can get like, we, I have two sizes of a subscription box and they can get it like once a month, every two months or once a quarter. Mm-hmm. And so the only way we were doing pre-sales was that. And I went into 2020 with seven subscribers and I think we were up to 94 subscribers by, I want to say June of 2020. Oh so it's just, yeah, to experience the growth of like seven to 94 subscribers, I had to learn and adjust our processes a lot during that because I was handpicking the items based on the customer's preferences every month for those seven. And that's just impossible with, with 94 <laughs> of them. So um, it was a huge boom. But I, yeah, I, I could have been more prepared i think so <laughs> I learned have, a that, lot. yeah that's such a great thing that you guys were able to grow that fast um and i'm sure that was obviously a little bit overwhelming like how did you guys manage going up like so quickly i mean did you have to hire additional people planning a little bit more in advance like what all went into that yeah uh planning more in advance was probably the main mm-hmm. thing um Funny enough, in 2020, my husband and I were actually seniors in college, too. So our senior year of college got cut short. And uh, I think we moved to all online classes on St. Patrick's Day of 2020. And so that took off a lot. Like we weren't attending classes anymore and things, too. So we could dedicate a lot more time um, to Oak Farm Beef. So that was a blessing in disguise once you look back at it. 
but yeah, interesting times. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it was. Well, I mean, honestly, you hear so many horror stories from the pandemic where businesses are going under, under but it seems like you guys were really successful in not only like maintaining your customers, but getting a whole lot more customers. Like was, I mean, did you just try to get the word out there? I mean, how exactly did you market it during that time? Yeah. Um, I think I'm trying to think back to anything we did in particular. I think it was mostly just uh, like search engine optimization. So people were mm. searching a lot more for beef online and we had been working towards that, like optimizing our website for terms like that for a while. Um, so luckily we would appear in those searches and some people found it from that. But otherwise I would say it was customers who had been following along, but like still were just fine with the convenience of grabbing beef off the grocery store shelf. And then there wasn't any. And so yeah. that gave them like a, a great opportunity to buy from us. And a lot of them like now are still with us versus the grocery store too. Some of them like never went back after that too. Do you have any like, I don't know. I like to geek out on statistics a little bit. Like, do you have any stats on like how many returning customers you guys have? Um, I, in general or throughout COVID? Uh, just in general. Yeah. In general, I think it's about 49% of all of our customers are returned. And then the other 50 is like new customers that nice. are acquired. Yeah. Okay. That's really cool. I, I So I have a newsletter with Farm Traveler. And so I've always been trying to figure out like, you know, what, what are good statistics, but apparently even with just newsletters, if your open rate of all of your subscribers is 30 to 40%, you were in like the top echelon of newsletters. And I was like, are you serious? Like you think it'd be a whole lot higher. And so I'm sure like just thinking about your business and those numbers, I'm sure that's a wonderful return rate of, of customers. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny on the newsletter. Cause we do our email newsletter too. And I've, I've been researching that same thing too, trying to figure out like the <laughs> metrics and stuff. So I watch all of that too, but yeah. And I think that's like very reassuring to us too with, our customers continue coming back because that means like our beef is of a high quality and they're having good customer experiences. And that's something that like we've focused on quite a bit. So uh, it's a big compliment when, when customers return. I bet it is. And so I'm looking at the store again um, because you guys have just so much stuff. You've also got bone uh, marrow bones, which is cool. And you know, you don't see that on a lot of beefs online storefronts. Um, and so how important it is for you, for you guys to use every part of the animal? And then also like for the parts that you aren't using, like maybe the hide, what exactly are you guys doing with that so that that doesn't go to waste? And so obviously as yeah. a business, you all, you can also profit from that. Yeah. Um, we have sold a lot more of the awful cuts is what I call them. So like tongue, liver, heart oxtail um and then marrow bones we've sold a lot more of that mm. since we've opened the storefront too so there is um a hispanic population like in our area that buys up all of our tongues as soon as we get them and they're uh we'll buy those other cuts a little bit more too so we've been able to use those a lot more and i i love that we were able to use more of the whole animal um before we were having a really hard time selling that stuff online. And so our butcher would just keep it. So we, we wouldn't get any of those back from the butcher. So mm -hmm. I think they would just be um, like discarded. Honestly, that's, I, I, 
maybe we'll ask that question next time I'm in there to actually see what they do with those. But the other things like the hide, um, everyone assumes that those would make good money now. Um, but I think in the last like 10 years and it might be a little longer than that, but they, the butchers actually have to pay to have those disposed of because they used to be, yeah, they used to be like bring in profit for them. And now they are having to pay to get rid of them and they have to like cut up the butcher or excuse me, cut up the hides in like small chunks so that it's like easier to get rid of. And they're a lot more work for them now than they used to be. So it's yeah I wish there was like more value add that we could do with those but like I haven't found anything quite yet that's interesting I guess the whole I guess the faux leather trend is kind of having an impact on that I I have not heard about that happening but that I mean I 100% believe you that's really weird I mean that's because I mean back in the day that was where the farmer would get a lot of their money from um the hide and the byproducts on cattle and so now that's like yeah. a totally different, you know, income stream that some people aren't getting. And mm-hmm. one of my favorite facts about um, cow leather is talking about Lamborghini, um, the car company, like they only use a specific cattle breed and only the male um, hide they use for their cows. Because, you know, when the female cows are pregnant, it, it stretches a little bit. And so they want like a perfectly, they want the perfect thickness all across the leather. And I learned that one day. I was like, that's kind of cool. You wouldn't think about that. But okay, they only use a very specific leather. So fun fact of the day. That is, I have never heard that before. So that's very interesting. (laughs) Well, cool. (laughs) So you guys have this awesome online business. You've got an awesome storefront. Um, Where did this all begin? Like I I was reading again, your blog, the website. You grew up on a farm. Like what was the whole background and what was the whole inspiration of this? Yeah. Um, so I actually started Oak Barn Beef when I was a sophomore in college at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Um, I was an animal science major and really involved with an entrepreneurship program we had on campus called the Angler Entrepreneurship Program, which if anybody is interested in this, I would highly recommend looking it up because it's a one-of-a-kind um, entrepreneurship program where they don't just teach mm. like business plans in classes. It's like hands on entrepreneurship where they hand you $50 and they say, go start a business and tell you, tell us what you learned. Like they <laughs> encourage you to fail like throughout the process, but learn from those failures. And mm. I, I really think that Oak Farm Beef would not be here without all of those experiences that Angler, um, like brought brought us to. So Eric, my husband was actually an angler too. So we started dating about the same time I started Oak Farm Beef. So he's been a pro, like a uh, part of the process the whole time, but he <laughs> never got official credit until we got married. Um, but it, it really started as a way to connect producers and consumers. And I know that's a very common story um, across a lot of farm to table businesses, but I was very passionate about telling that farm story. Uh, and I was the Nebraska cattle woman's beef ambassador. And I got to talk to a lot of youth about where beef comes from. And then I speak to a lot of concerned consumers about cattle raising practices and things too. And just throughout that experience, I realized the huge educational gap between producers and consumers and like people wanting to feel connected to where that food comes from. And so my my dad had been selling like holes and halves and quarters of beef to ranch or to like friends and family like a lot of ranchers do. 
Um, but I, I really wanted to take it to that next step and start selling more to like the general consumer in cities and um, focus on that. So originally I was working like directly with my, my parents' farm and cattle company with it. And then um, wanted to just really create Oak Barn Beef, like a separate entity and start marketing online and shipping and things like that. And so that's how how we got got to here. There's a lot of other parts of the story too, but I'll I'll stop rambling there. <laughs> no, that's perfect. I mean, that's perfect content for a podcast. I mean, that's so cool. And you know, I've heard of several people that have had like amazing entrepreneurship opportunities through college where they're like, "Hey, start a business," and then that eventually becomes their full-time thing. I mean, that's so cool that you that you and your husband had that opportunity and now yeah. it's like your full-time thing. That's so cool. Yeah, it, it really is. And another example um, of j just their mentorship, I think, was the biggest thing that I needed during that time. And it was somebody there to say, like, what? Like, go do this. Like, just <laughs> just that encouragement and constant, like, people to meet with about it, to push it forward. Um, a great example of this is I started researching companies across the U.S. who were, like, advocating for agriculture um, selling their beef directly to consumers online. And, and I came across one in Northern California called Five Mary's Farms. Have you ever heard of them? No, I haven't. I'm going to look them up though okay. afterwards. Five Mary Farms? Yeah, Five Mary's Farms. And okay. they um, uh, were basically my dream business. So there were a <laughs> lot of other companies doing this in 2018 when I started. Um, and they, they sold their beef, pork, and lamb online and shipped nationwide, held retreats out on their ranch so people could come experience farm life. And then Mary, uh, one of the owners, she really like just shared everyday life on their social media too. Mm. And I knew that like, if I wanted to learn about this business, that they were the people to learn from. So through the entrepreneurship program, they pushed me to be, they didn't offer like a formal internship or anything at Five Mary's Farms, but the, my mentor at Angler was like, you just need to mail them a letter and ask them if you can come intern with them for the <laughs> summer. And they let me. So I, oh, cool. that was like an, ex yeah. So I moved to Northern California and like worked on their ranch and they taught me so much about the business too. So just, just pushing you outside of your box in college too. And that's like one of the only times you can have some of those amazing experiences was that's, that's one of the biggest benefits I got out of like our entrepreneurship program too. That's reminding me of that quote from, well, Wayne Gretzky, but also from the office. And it's like, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And I mean, if you didn't send them a letter, you maybe couldn't have inter uh, interned with them. And then you had the courage to, you know, send them a letter and then you got it. And then that's revolutionized, like, you know, what you're doing. Like, that's so cool that you were able to do that. Yeah. And I remember they were, they were like, it was by the grace of God that we received that letter because we barely <laughs> check our mail. Like, so. Oh my goodness. It was meant to be. <laughs> yeah. I really think it was. Yeah. And I'm very <laughs> grateful for that experience and them for taking me under their wing too, for a little bit. That's so cool to hear. Um, and I love the collaborative nature of, you know, so many people in agriculture, whether anybody is selling beef online, like everybody's sharing tips and tricks and you know, I've, I've seen so many forums where a beef rancher in like Montana is chatting with a beef rancher in Texas and they're like, hey, like, what are the best ways to ship your beef? Like, what works for you? We're trying to do this. And you don't get a sense of competition. You get a sense of like, hey, let's 
we all want our businesses to grow and to thrive. And let's just, you know, let's share what works for us, what doesn't work. And let's just share the information that way everybody can have successful businesses, which is awesome. Have, have you experienced that as well? Yeah, definitely. And I would say our, everyone always thinks that our competition is like other beef companies in this area. And I'm always like, no, the competition is the grocery store. Mm -hmm. It's like that convenience factor of being able to like grab beef off the shelf versus like buying direct from a family farm. Like if there's enough of us little guys that we're not competing against each other, it's it's we're competing against the grocery store and the the big packers and things like that, too. But yeah, just the overall um, like support of of people in this industry is is very like surprising and and something that's really unique to to ag. Yeah. And that's a, I think that's going to be a great quote for the episode. We're competing against the grocery store, not against each other. Uh, like, I mean, not to put you on the spot, what would be your elevator pitch for somebody that's like, Hey, like, why should I support you versus a Walmart or a local grocery store? Like what are some of the main advantages of supporting you guys or any other local business? Yeah. So normally when I get asked that, I kind of just go through our process of Oak Farm beef. So the first part is that we um, buy cattle from, we know exactly where we're buying our calves from, which is my parents' family farm. And then um, we've chose like hand selected another producer who focuses on the same requirements and criteria as we do to ensure like the good animal husbandry and, um, just overall aspects that we want Oak Farm Beef to incorporate. And then the next step, and this is very unique to our operation and Oak Farm Beef, but we um, DNA test all the calves um, through Neogen is the, the company who does it. But we look at their carcass traits to decide which ones are the highest quality. So then we only put, select the highest quality ones to transition into our beef program. Mm. So that guarantees that they're like going to produce the best beef from the beginning. So before Oak Farm Beef even purchases the cattle, we know that they're going to be top tier because of that. Um, and then we raise them for, we buy them at weaning time and then raise them um, here in West Point until they reach finishing weight. And then um, the dry aging at our local USDA inspected butcher really does add some value there as well. Um, and last, then, then we ship the beef directly to you too. So I package I would say 99% of boxes. Occasionally I have some, some help for shipping, but it's, it's the majority of the time, it's just me packaging that. So we get to write you handwritten notes and share our story in those ways. And a lot of customers like that extra um, aspect of getting that connection and indirect uh, conversation with, with us as the producers too. Oh, a hundred percent. And that's such a per- personal touch. I mean, you can see, you know, you can get into contact with everybody that's touching that beef. Um, and obviously it's impacting the local economy, the local jobs and stuff like that. And, and I love that personal touch you guys have of just giving them a message and, you, you know, you can build those relationships, especially in the storefront. Like that doesn't happen if you go to a Walmart to buy some beef. Like that just doesn't happen. I mean, you guys have a very um, personal touch, which is amazing to see. 
Yeah. And a lot of people are like shocked that my face is on the website and I'm the one that they're talking to all the time, but we, it really is mainly me and Eric who's <laughs> operating the business. So, so you're going to get to, to chat with directly with the owners too. And we truly do care. And that's something that's very different than those uh, larger corporations where you're on customer service hold for a long time and <laughs> have to go through a bunch of different people and, we, we try our best to offer the best customer service we can. That's awesome. And that customer service hat, I'm sure is just one of dozens of hats you guys have. Customer service, marketing, um, the CEO, CFO, like all that good stuff that comes with having a small business. Like it's a challenge, I'm sure, but I'm sure it's a very good challenge. Yes. Yeah. We, I mean, we wear all the hats it feels like, but I, I, some days I'm better at one thing than I am at others. I'll be completely <laughs> honest there. Like customer service, I've came a long way, but that's just, it's just a learning curve. And a lot of our customers are understanding of that because they know our story. And, and I am always completely transparent to like, we're, we're trying to improve this process here. I apologize for not having the right answer right away or something like that too. So I try hard. <laughs> I, I bet it sounds like, I mean, it seems like you guys are very genuine and your business is very authentic. Um, and I think you're going to have an awesome um, thought on this, but you know, when it comes to like entrepreneurship and success and you, you see there's this image and everybody thinks that success is just like linear where it's like, you're always improving. Like in your experience being an entrepreneur, like starting this business, like how crazy is that process from the idea to where you built it and you're continuing to grow. Like it's not a linear path, is it? it it's definitely not linear. And um, recently with opening the storefront and stuff, we hear from people all the time, like, oh, your business must be doing so great. And I always say like, some days it feels like it and some days it doesn't. That's just <laughs> a true part of entrepreneurship. I think there's, there's highs and there's lows. And um, from the beginning, what I've tried to look at like the failures as is like, I fail every single day, but I try to add more processes into place or look at them as like learning opportunities so that we can avoid those things from happening in the future or like even small things like not having the best customer service on the phone call or, or anything like that. I try to fix it right away and I mm -hmm. think that's really helped me like mentally more than anything but <laughs> to not get too down on myself because I feel like I'm doing something about it too <laughs> yeah and you know that customer service thing I'm sure is just so difficult to do like as you're literally like filling all the boxes and you're managing the business and you're doing so much like you know maybe you just had you know a rude customer come into the storefront and then you've got to immediately pick up the phone and put on like another face and you've got to be totally different like personality like i'm sure that that's so hard and a very thin line to walk yeah and that, i would say that's been like the biggest learning curve for me too because some days i'll be um like in the freezer shipping like getting beef organizing doing inventory and stuff and then it customer calls and i'm i try to take it and i'm frozen and and you know just some sometimes it's best to like wait and call them back too that's one thing i've learned too that um but but we 
I mean, a lot of people are used to switch to us from Omaha Steaks where they have oh. like representatives on all the time and things. And that's just a different experience for them too to have to like wait for a call back and stuff too. So, I mean, there's, there's different ways to do it. And like I said, still learning. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's no perfect way to do it. I mean, like, like those companies like Omaha Steaks, I mean, they're making tons of money, but you guys are, you know, a small family business, like doing an amazing thing, like with some great products, like you're literally doing all that you can. And so, yeah. That's awesome. And I, I, hopefully like most, most customers that are there that, you know, if you, if you don't pick up like, oh, they're probably busy because they know you. Like, again, you can build that yes. relationship. You can have that yeah, face-to-face communication with them. Yeah. And those are the customers that we want to, who are oh, a little yeah. more understanding. So that's, that's also another like a mentality thing I've had to switch to is like, okay, they like, maybe those ones aren't the right fit because we are a small operation and can't can't answer all the time and things. I have to laugh because the other day um, a customer had called me to place an order and I I didn't get the t- answer the phone right away, but they accidentally left a voicemail and I could hear in the background that he was telling his wife, well, they must be busy calving right now. So. <laughs> oh my God, that's so cool. That's great. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what you want. Yeah, I was like, thank you for understanding. <laughs> That's really, again, I feel like, you know, people that just buy from grocery stores, they don't get that about where they're buying their beef from. But that's so cool that obviously somebody is following your story, just like a random customer. That's so cool. I haven't heard a story like that before, but that's what, yeah, they're probably calving. And I I bet he went on a tangent about calving and all this stuff to his wife. That's so fun. (laughs) Yeah. I just got a small tidbit, but it did make me smile when I went through and listened to it. So. I bet. Oh my gosh. That's so fun. Um, so the website it's Oak Barn Beef. Um, where all can people follow you guys to try their beef? And obviously if they're in West Point, Nebraska, they can go by the storefront. Yeah, absolutely. So our Facebook is probably the most active, um, Mm. social platform I use currently. Um, so our name on there is Oak Barn Beef, but we also have LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, I do post on my personal Instagram. I used to do quite a bit more than I have lately, so I'm going to try to get back into that. But if anybody wants to follow along with me personally, it is Hannah Klitz, K-L-I-T-Z, and then an underscore on there. But otherwise, the website, oakfarmbeef.com, is a great way to sign up for our email list and kind of stay in the loop that way, too. Well, perfect. We will link all of that below in the description. And if we are in Nebraska, we're going to have to stop by the storefront. I have a couple of friends in Nebraska, and I'm going to have to tell them to stop by and see you guys and try your beef. And of course, I'm going to have to order some online and try it. Um, Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Well, Hannah, I think what you guys are doing is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story and just kind of showing us, you know, um, entrepreneurship is awesome. And you guys have done an awesome job and you're doing a great job in Nebraska. So thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. And I really enjoyed the conversation and it's an honor to be on. Hey again, thanks so much for listening to this episode. Be sure to head to the description below for all links, Farm Traveler, and of course, Oak Barn Beef. For all of our new listeners, I would greatly appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts or even Spotify. And if you leave a written review on Apple Podcasts, I will even read it out at the beginning of the episode. All you got to do 
leave a written review, and then screenshot it, and then send it to me either on Instagram, Facebook, or even just email farmtravelerseries at gmail.com, and I will read it out. Those reviews always help us out a ton, and they help the show grow and reach a larger audience. So thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.